thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time, Matt. Um, how have you been holding up during the quarantine and everything? Uh, you know, it's being good. that you guys were supposed to tour right before this happened with Microwave. Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been good. I mean, quarantine has been really good to us, I think. Um, uh, it was a bummer. Uh, we got about, I want to say, about a third of the way into our tour with Microwave and Weekend Friends and Bad Luck. And uh, it was a really great tour. Uh, we were having a lot of fun. Uh, it got canceled kind of like right as we were getting going. Um, but other than that, uh, everybody's happy. Everybody's healthy. Uh, we're home. We're working on music. We're, we're having a good time. Yeah, and the thing is, like, um, I don't know if you guys already had the discussion, but would, would you guys try to um, resurface that tour once we're basically allowed to open up these venues and such? I mean, I think there were a lot of discussions, like, right in the early part of, of the quarantine. Um, we were looking to try and get some stuff going, uh, but... At the end of the day, uh, we're just really not sure. <laughs> like um, nobody's really certain. We're like trying to uh, heed the warning of like our teams and stuff, and, and everybody's just kind of sitting on their hands, waiting to find out when we can do any touring again. And everybody's telling us like, oh, at, at the beginning it's going to be like oh a couple of months, and now all of a sudden it's like hey, nothing till August, and then you know. We don't know. Uh, we're hoping to be back on the road soon, but uh, I, I can't guarantee anything or, or, or speak to any speculation on getting those tours back up. Yeah, for sure. I know there were the. Um, I know some bands kind of made announcements, but when this actually just started in the beginning, that what will be uh, planned was just, you know, it would be pushed back until everybody's allowed to go back into. Um, the regular uh, venues that are hosting the shows, they will, you know, their tickets will still be valid. Um, so that's why I asked, cause I was going to see you guys. Um, I think you were supposed to play in Howl on that tour yeah. or, and that was kind of my interest because I, our, my band Poeta, we shared the stage with Microwave on Warped in 2017 and they are phenomenal dudes. Like really humble, they're, sweet guys. Yeah. They're wonderful. Yeah. Do you guys kind of go out of your way to, um, reach to your team of who you want to tour with or do, is it more of a suggestion basis when they start um, pitching these tours to you uh, as an opportunity? It's a little bit of both. Um, I mean, for the microwave one in particular, um, we did state that we wanted to go out on that tour. Um, we had done some touring with them uh, a little while back and had an absolute blast, made real good friends with them. And uh, when we found out that they were doing this tour, we uh, we definitely spoke to you know our team and, and let them know that we wanted to do it. Um, so uh it just kind of worked out the way that we needed it to and uh we decided that we were going to do some headline dates down there um and then some headline dates back which unfortunately we never got to do uh and that was a pretty big bummer um but i mean we have been in talks with some of the venues about like definitely trying to come back and and hopefully honoring tickets that were sold i i have no idea what would happen as far as them uh refunding tickets or anything like that um but it's uh you know, it's unfortunate that we had to cancel some of the shows, but, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we do have a little bit of dictation in what we get to do. Um, not as much as we would like, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but yeah. How's the rest of the band doing? I know you guys are, you know, predominantly close considering you told me you have a 30,000 square foot, like studio ish, um, <laughs> around the block for me, which is fucking awesome to utilize that. But how are they doing? Yeah. How are their families doing? You guys, you guys good? 
yeah, everybody's fine. Everybody's healthy. Uh, we're working down at the studio. Thankfully, um, for, so for the most most of the quarantine, uh, we had to strip all the gear out of the studio uh, and just bring it to our houses. And we were just doing like little demo work and stuff there, yeah. working on other people's projects, doing little things like that. Um, and uh, and now we're just getting into the process of reopening our studio. But we're all local. We're all together, hanging out uh, as much as we can, social distancing. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> hanging out with masks in, in right. white spaces. Um, but no, everybody's doing well. Uh, families are healthy. Um, just kind of itching to do more work, you know? Mm-hmm. How about writing? Is that like something that you guys are doing in the meantime? Yeah. Yeah. We're in the process of writing. Um, yeah, we've been writing a lot. Uh, obviously we just really soup, um, which was uh, a collection of songs that we've been working on for a while, which we recorded at our studio. Um, but uh, we've been working on a lot of songs for, I would say, the better part of the last year and a half that we're, we're currently piecing together into, uh, into some releases that we're going to be putting out, hopefully <laughs> towards the end of the quarantine and hopefully in a time frame where we can tour on them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then maybe... Um, <clears throat> kind of do the same routine have you guys been doing uh, uh whether it's a a whole u.s tour or something that's on you know a regional standpoint um a lot of the flyers that or a lot of the gigs that i used to try to uh, see you guys play um was regional shows and i was gonna go to this one unfortunately everything happened uh like you guys did a state champs uh christmas tour I believe, right? That's what that was. Yeah, um, yeah we did a couple of dates with them, yeah. Yeah, have you guys ever uh, been on festivals of any sort? Um, do you, yeah. Do you, yeah, what, what festivals? Because I think that's the new, it's not a norm. I mean, it's, it's becoming norm. Uh, but I feel like that is one of the biggest exposures, personally, in the industry, is to have, like, a stacked lineup every day. Like, was it, like, was it so what? Fest? Uh, we did. We did. So what? Uh, we also did Riot Fest. Oh, we also did Skate and Surf. Um, we did a couple others too. I'm trying to remember what they were. Uh, over the, over the course of I think it was 2016, 2017, we did like a, a fairly solid run of tours that like ran into festival dates and then like continued on with other tours. Um, I would say that. I think the last time we did a festival was Riot Fest in 2018. Um, so we haven't been out on any of the recent ones. Um, but mostly because we were in the studio for, I think, the better part of a year and a half, uh, building the studio and then working on the record. Uh, and then I think we just got back out. Um, when was it? December of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um and then we were out in the spring and coronavirus. That's a good memory, dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even remember, like, what I ate yesterday. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, how do you, like, I think festivals really, um, no matter what uh, tier you are as a fan, I feel like they're so beneficial because you already, you already have a listener constantly oh, yeah. being in the area. So do you guys consider doing festivals over intimate shows or touring in general like is there um not a favorite but is there a recommendation like would we would you like if you got offered a tour if you got offered a couple festival days would you you know take one or the other or like how do you guys usually go about that 
Uh, it really depends. I mean, obviously, like, there is the component of, like, trying to figure out what is uh, financially better for the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, a lot of times, like, going on a whole tour or um, oftentimes folding, like, a run of dates into a festival date is the call. So, like, if we get an offer to do a festival and it makes sense for us, we'll contact our, our agent and kind of be like, hey, like, can we do a run of dates to the festival uh, and then a run of dates back and then, Hey, we'll get another band on there and like, you know, do like this short run where, and this is where a lot of like these regional runs come from because we're usually like touring to or from something. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's usually where it makes more, more, more monetary sense for us. Um, but I would say like, if there's a really, really great festival opportunity and we can't do it, if we do a tour, we're probably going to take the festival opportunity, uh, because you just, it's, there's, you know, a little bit more bang for your buck in that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With fresh listeners who might have not heard you ever. Exactly. And they completely jump on board. I mean, that's why I was so thankful that we hopped on work tour. Um, the crowds were, were pretty decent because we were usually the openers because we were, you know, we're still technically on the ground. Um, however, like, it, I, Kevin Lyman knew what he was doing because the fact that we're opening up uh, as underground as the first act or the second act, there's a local band going on. Um, and kids would walk through and then you listen and them stop like, hmm, never heard of these yep. guys before. Yeah, just want to do that. I think when you, these festivals occur or there's an opportunity, um, there's really no bad time slot. There's no bad. <laughs> like, I feel like it's yeah. a win-win for everybody. It's when people cool. are there at the gates right from the opening, dude, there's nothing to worry about. You got a crowd. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody's already itching to get in and everything. I mean, we had Firefly around here, self-help. Uh, we have plenty of festivals that kind of really, you know, almost sell out, if not uh, draw as much as they possibly can. So I think it's just something that will, con- I, I, it's just, you know, going to be a normal, it's going to be a normal thing eventually with all these festivals. For sure. Yeah. Um, with Soup, I mean, I uh, the EP sounds fantastic, man. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago that you guys released it. Do you? How do you find inspiration when you start going into new music? Do you pull from, you know, certain situations that happen to you personally, or how do you usually go about your writing process with your guys? Yeah. Okay. So that's um, the music is usually something that's like uh, we try to find abstract meaning in sort of like the mundane things in life i think um and basically what will happen is like uh we'll have sort of an idea for a riff or an idea for a chord structure or or even just a rhythm and and uh all of a sudden there will be a melody that pops up you know what i mean and it's like okay you kind of know uh you know your syllable count you know where your where your melody wants to sit and then the rhythm kind of dictates where everything flows and and eventually like kind of just morphs itself into a song and and what we end up with for like the inspiration process is just kind of absorbing all of the day-to-day things that that um feel kind of oddly impactful um you know things that like you recognize uh i think um like for soup it's it's a it's a record that was very much written around the time that we were building our studio where we were pulling ourselves off the road uh to work on this big project and we had a lot of you know kind of crazy just like personal life things happen just kind of because life happens as you get older and we've been on the road for a really really long time um 
and and I think that the, like the process of making the studio was very cathartic, and so we wrote these these very expressive, very cathartic songs uh, with, with soup, and 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 it's it's called soup because it's supposed to be sort of like chicken soup for the weary soul kind of you know cheesy shit that's just something that kind of implements from the time that you like you said you were building the studio because i mean there had to have been like a time and place where you know the whole band collector was like we should really get the studio going you know like all the yeah. kind of momentum or effort so to speak and it was it was kind of like hey like we need to slow down and take stock of things and sort of like you know uh, feel less sick and shitty. You know? Yeah, because like, you guys are going like, to tour months at a time, right? Like, that gets yeah, exhausting. Yeah. Come on, man. You're carrying your own gear still, I'm sure. Um, yep. Yeah, just like everybody else is. <laughs> so, yep. it's it's a lot. And that was probably one of the... It wasn't a hard decision to make that, um, that... To, to, to go up with the idea of building a studio because it, it seems like it's really, you know, uh, working out for you guys, especially for the long run in general. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it wasn't a hard decision. I think, um, I don't know. I was talking to, I was talking to some people about this the other day, actually. Like, I think, um, at the time it, it was just like, we had this sort of almost arrogant confidence that like we were 250% making the right decision for all of us at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and thankfully for us, it worked out really well. Um, it could have gone horribly. Um, you know, but so then, what, what, what ended up happening is we got to build this beautiful studio. We still work there now. Um, there's a, like a ton of awesome creative stuff happening there. Um, the people there are, are kind of forming this community culture, and it's 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 really awesome. Uh, and we're making a lot of really cool music and a lot of really cool art there, um, and and it's exciting. Um, yeah. So, you know, and it gives us this vessel to make you know more and more content for the people who want to see more and more content from us as time goes on, and it's really exciting. It's it's a happy thing. Um, it worked out well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to uh, um, uh, see if you know that when we usually when we usually uh, uh, play shows, we usually rehearse at a, a house or something. But um, now that we don't have that, we we have uh, we just go right out of the studio. There's so many studios in Jersey to rent, and I know you guys come through Jersey all the time. So yeah. um, and they're they're pretty decent too. Uh, not too expensive, but if being an underground band, like it's something that's worth it. And you guys have a lot of momentum under your belt, and you're releasing more music. Um, as well, I mean, with Soup, I mean, here again was a really great LP to kind of um, grab the listener's attention, uh, especially with the title track being first on the song or on the album. Yes. Um, that was that you know w was that literally the first song off of that album, and then you that you like that you guys wrote collectively, and then move forward with. Um, working on the album I'm trying to think what the first song was uh, I think the first song was well adjusted okay. uh, but here again was very short to follow um, it was I, I it really was very much like when we went into the process of recording that record we we had a lot of little loose um, little loose guitar structures, little loose melodic structures kind of floating around things that we were playing with the practice jamming on not really like pinning anything down to the floor. Um, and then I do remember that when we put together here again, which was very shortly before we went into the studio to like write and record the record, uh, that was like the, 
it was like the money. Like we knew right then and there that like that was sort of the motif of the record, and and it, it gave us like a good frame of reference for how to move forward from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it, it's kind of like when you put the climax of your record right at the very front, um, and then it's like you got to kind of work backwards from there. Um, knowing that that was going to be the record, knowing that that was going to be the title track, it was going to be the first track, it was going to be like this punch in the face. Uh, we we just kind of had like a little bit of knowledge of how to rain down from there, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. And you guys, I mean, going back to touring, I mean, how long was uh, a normal tour for you that could, you know, uh, be uh, a repetitive opportunity, like months at a time, like month, two months? I think, uh, I'm trying to think the year that we did bliss, the, the year that we did the touring on bliss, I think we did 190 days, uh, which was a lot. Uh, and then did a year where we did 210 days. Uh, and then we started to slow down a little bit and got into the like 130, 120 territory a little while after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just because like it's it's legitimately just not sustainable to tour that much sometimes, man. Right. Uh, but like it was it was when we were doing a lot of DIY touring, and then it was kind of in the bridge section between when we were doing DIY touring and doing. Just gonna touring. ask that, yeah. Like- that is a great time to do DIY touring. You know what I mean? It's great to like get out there at the beginning, get it done over with, and now, yes. fortunately, fortunately, you guys were you know picked up by a label, and now you have a team uh, around you guys supporting you. So obviously, the effort is there. That's where a lot of uh, yeah. professional uh, professional industry um, managers or labels they look for. They look for that dedication, passion. They don't want to invest in something that like might fall short because of you know right. whatever. But you guys never stop. Yeah. It's incredible. You just hold your nose at the fucking grindstone, dude, and you do it. And, like, you know, I mean, it, honestly, God, it does work. Like, if you're a good band and you're good people and you hold your nose at the grindstone and you do all the things you're supposed to do and just, like, play as much as possible, somebody's going to appreciate it. Somebody's going to enjoy it. Like, you know, like, I, I always have the theory of, like, I'm... I'm a music fan. I'm not special. Like anything that I like, there's probably a million other people who like the same thing. So like, it's you know, just keep that in mind. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of underground bands. They're doing it right, and I see a lot of them doing it wrong. Uh, especially when you start out locally, you build locally, uh, and you know, write the best music that you can. And then when that works, you start reaching out to regionals. And then once you're done during regionals, yeah. then you start going out. The, you know, if you're on the East Coast, you go west. If you're on the West Coast, you go east. So it's a it's not a tricky process, but it's something that once you understand, like not only the grind, but the way of of trying to step by step kind of put your art into the other listeners, um, you know, I guess like I think, you know, nobody has CDs anymore. So in their pockets, basically, um, yes. that's, you know, the normal step in a sense. Yeah. And also trading off shows. I mean, I'm sure you guys, when you were doing DIY, you were building relationships throughout these tours so you know if a band that you were touring with like just hypothetically they were in New Jersey um, they would you know host you in the hometown and then when yes. they came to Connecticut you guys were like hey just come hang and come play a good show yes sir even if we had to promote the show ourselves we would do it right 
Yeah. You know, like, like no matter what, like that was absolutely the truth. Like we would trade shows. We built a, a, a wide networking connection and, 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 you know, with, with the Mayflower collective in New Jersey, we built this like big little, big little network, um, <laughs> all the way across the United States, uh, and had like a great series of booking contacts and it helped a lot of bands, man. Like, like, uh, us and, and the guys in head North, uh, for a time and save face, uh, and it was just like, it was this really interesting thing um, where a lot of people work together. They put their heads together and shared contacts and, and played shows. And even when it absolutely sucked, we had a good time anyway. And it resulted in something, you know? It's mm-hmm. basically what it comes down to. Was the community great in Connecticut? No, God, no, dude. No way. It's getting better. I, I, I do want to say that. Um it's getting better, but no, the music community in Connecticut was not good, man. It was not supportive of us. It was not. Uh, it was not helpful to us. Um, we, that's why we started touring in other states. That's why we ended up in New Jersey in the first place. Um, because we just we were like, wow, there's a lot of people here who want to go see shows. And when we're playing in basements, people are having really like a good time. But when we go and try and play shows and venues, nobody wants heads or tails of us. So we're like, fuck this, we're going to New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we yeah. ended up doing that, man. And Philly's the same way too. They put on a lot of great underground shows. I mean, you have people that are, you know, uh, attending college and they just, you know, have like a, a, a nice, like, um, condo or tower yeah. home and there's always basement shows. Always basement shows. And there's so many venues yeah, in yeah. Philly too. Walters you want to know basement shows, man? You want to know the thing about basement shows at a DIY level instead of, instead of venue shows is that like everybody at a basement show wants to be there. Correct. Like that's that is the huge difference because everybody at a venue show it's probably a pay to play show man and people yeah. are showing up and they're just like ah dude I'm here because my coworker told me to get <laughs> me and my girlfriend and my girlfriend's mom to come here so that we can buy the he said he'll buy our tickets like I don't know I'm here we just need heads in the room he said like you know what I mean like nobody wants to be there it's kind like, of productive the house show wants to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the fact that they're selling t- like selling tickets is the way of going things. It's just it's it's a scam, dude. I mean, you're selling ten dollars, fifteen dollars tickets, and you're getting a cut, and you have to sell you know a minimum in order to play. Or if you sell more than another band, then you get a certain spot, and then it doesn't like you said. That's exactly the perfect way of saying it. it everybody wants to be there in the basement show. They're there for a reason. And yep. if anything, there's a charge five dollars. Like five dollars, five dollars suggested donation. Mm, like that is literally probably the most simplistic way of doing it. And throwing those shows together, having that intimacy, everybody's literally judged just to have a good time and just hang out. And, yep. if, and if your band does click well with the audience that is there, like there's five bands playing, five people from each band, sh- like five, you know, um, listeners show up from each band. I mean, you have twenty five people. Like, just, you know, that you're playing in front of. And those are the shows that nobody's leaving. You know what I mean? Like, there are some local shows, uh, especially when it comes to ticket sales. I just, who was I talking to? Andrew Wade said that the House of Blues in Florida is implementing this thing where if you sell a ticket, you, I forget what he said. I have to go back into it and listen. But I think he said it was more the line of if you sell a ticket, um, you get, like, a dollar or something like it's 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 something that you don't really have they, they don't they put you on a trust factor of being able to draw 
but they're yep. not really worried about like if you're a band that's not worried about making the money like every ticket you sell in a sense just like you get a dollar like they're not making it overly expensive to where you're forcing people to like come out like oh you guys gotta come see my band like we're at the house of blues and if you're open up for a big band uh which is great for a local band they uh they, they try to make it easier on the artist themselves so hopefully that yeah. might change dude there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it and i don't know all i can say from the connecticut music scene is that like what we experience here is that uh at least at the time that we were coming up into the industry it was a little bit more toxically on the side of being predatory towards the bands you know what i mean so that's crazy. Uh, yeah we weren't a big fan at the time uh so we went elsewhere and 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 it worked out for us that was great, yeah. I was telling you prior, like 2013, I was in a metalcore band. That scene was toxic. It's very strange. It's like competitive. Yep. There's healthy com- competition, and then there's obviously unhealthy competition. So yes, nobody yes. was supporting anybody. It was like, look how much breakdowns I can do in a song, and we are better than you. Or It was incredibly awkward to be around that industry. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to have to find a new band that's like has a good community. Just in general. Like, my bandmates were great. But the community was like, whoa, this is is bizarre, dude. I don't know what's going on right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's great that you guys kind of took that next step because some bands just kind of get stuck in the moment and they just just kind of give up and shit. But you guys have incredible – you guys have, like, a nice, really um, soft, angelic alternative rock sound. Um, But that sounds like – it sounds like it's something that just – when you guys write, it just comes from the soul. I mean, I don't – I don't think that you guys – if you guys wrote any, if you guys even tried implementing other ways of writing, I think it still would have turned out like in the same like genre of retrospect. Like, who do you usually inspire from as as uh, bands that you grew up listening to with that you could possibly relate to your band? We're uh, we're inspired by a lot of things. I would say that the things that really uh, hit home for us are are sort of this combination of classic rock music, um, like straight up like. Fleetwood Mac, The Doors, uh, like Dylan and the Bands, and like uh, you know, Queens, Queen Clearwater. Ah, let's uh, go. Yeah. You know, and like uh, I would say that like there's there's this um, foundation for us in like classic rock music, but then we also have like this sort of '80s pop influence that we really enjoy. Uh, and then also this sort of late 90s to early 2000s um, alternative radio rock feel. Um, and, and, and then we've got this sort of conglomeration with that and, and these sort of tiny little mathy and indie influences that, that come together into this hopefully tasteful, um, I think, rock sound that's sort of indicative of 80s and 90s influence simultaneously. Yeah, um, we don't have that a lot. I mean, I tried to compare you guys to sound a little bit. Like, I hear certain things, but you guys don't sound like another band. Like, there's some bands that I know of that sound like a typical pop-punk band, or they sound like an alternative rock band like Kings of Leon, or they sound yeah. like Imagine Dragons or something, and it's just, it's not, it's more so a carbon copy, but I can't really... I can't really compare you guys to anything. You guys have an original sound, which is pretty pretty hard I, to really come by. I do appreciate that. Um, I think uh, we really very much strive not to sound like another band. Not because I mean, like it sound when you say that, like it comes off sounding a little bit snooty. But like at the same time, it's like um, I think the the bottom line of it is our mantra when we're writing is if it feels good, it's good. Mm-hmm. 
Like, it doesn't really matter what, like, we'll write songs that kind of lean into one genre or another one um, and not really give a shit as long as it's still catchy and as long as it's still a good song. Right. Um, we're not really concerned about maintaining any particular image. We're not concerned about maintaining any particular sound as long as, like, again, if it feels good, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a result of that, a lot of the songs just kind of end up bouncing off of each other. You know what I mean? Even when they're in slightly different genres, even like when they're in slightly different styles, like it's all rock, it's all guitars, it's all drums. Like we're not doing anything different. We're like, there's only so many chords in the universe. It's just like, we're finding the songs that feel good. And that's, that's what feels good to us. And and we find that most people respond to that. Yeah. Music's finite, man. There's no way in hell that anybody can create anything different nowadays. But I mean, when, when you said if you're in a room together and you're playing the songs live and everything resonates well together as you're putting it, um, as you're structuring the song, it's just, you know, if it feels good and it sounds good, that's what you go with, you know, let others like, you know, take in that into consideration when you, when you release it. For sure. And it's like, again, like I was saying before, dude, you're not special. If you like something, a million other people like that thing. So like, if it feels good, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we get comparisons. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being compared. Like, oh, your, your vocals sound like this person or that, that guitar part sounds like that. But there are some bands and that's okay too, that they do it. And it's not as new. It's like, it's if you sound exactly like another band, sometimes it doesn't really help um, your art in general because it's basically the same other. It's it's like it's an exact copy of yep. something else. Sometimes it works. I mean, I forget what the band's called, but there's a band that sounds just like Zeppelin now, and they say they oh, don't listen to Zeppelin. That's Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, yeah, and you know what I mean. Like so, like we don't really listen to Zeppelin. You listen to that. The music like, dude, I don't know, dude. Sounds like John every, Bottom, time man. Music, every time I hear their music, it just makes me want to listen to Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> I put on a remastered <laughs> album like on repeat, like seventy songs. Just like you're, if your if your music makes me want to listen to somebody else's music, I feel like that might be a red flag. Yeah, and it is. I mean it's working out for them, but I know in a lot of other cases there are bands that are struggling because they sound just like another band. And, For sure. you know, uh, whether they know it or not, um, I don't know. It's just, uh, as if anybody's an aspiring musician listening or watching this, it's, you've got to try to kind of be creative in your own retrospect. I mean, in my band, the one thing that we really have a correlation with is our vocalist. Um, he gets a lot of compliments that he sounds like Claudio from Coheed, which is great, but we don't write like Coheed. We don't have that, um, concept you know, to their music. Like, they, they kind of have concepts to their albums in general, but there's no way that's how we're writing. We're writing the way how we want to write. I mean, he'll hit some notes and it's like, sounds just like him. But other than that, you know, we're trying to be ourselves and shit. Like, it's crazy. How do you how do you usually control um, the tension of your voice on tour? Do you do, you do a lot of uh, silent day rests? Do you do a lot of uh, warm-ups, implement most across, implement some other warm-ups that you could share uh, no, I legitimately, I don't, um, no, I, uh, <laughs> I have one secret, uh, to my vocals, um, that I share with every vocalist that I know. Um, there is this, uh, this bottled herbal spray and I swear to God, this is going to sound like horseshit when I say it. <laughs> there is this bottled herbal spray you can buy at Whole Foods. It's called Singer Saving Grace. It is a vocal lubricant. You spray it in the back of your throat. It tastes like Jägermeister. It's terrible. Um, but I swear to God, it's like Carnation Instant Warm-Up. 
Um, and it essentially makes it so that you can just kind of like do a couple of deep breaths, like get your diaphragm stretched out before you go sing, and then spray that in the back of your throat. You're going to be fine. If you're ha if you're sick on tour, it's like an absolute savior. You spray it in your throat right before you go on stage. You spray it on your, in your throat while you're on stage if you need to. Your voice is going to hold up. It's going to sound good. If you have good technique, you're going to be fine. That shit is amazing. That's crazy. I it to everybody, dude. I recommend it to everybody. And, like, honestly, dude, just, like, sing naturally. Like, don't push yourself too hard on tour. That's really the big one. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, if you can't hit the parts that you recorded in the studio, I'm sorry. You should be able to. But, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, if you can't, like, take it easy, you mm -hmm. know? Like, allow yourself to make some small concessions, rewrite your parts a little bit so that you're, like, sitting comfy. Don't blow yourself out. That's my thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's a... Um it's not a race. It's a marathon when it comes exactly. to touring. You got to really kind of just, you can go hard. I would say it's not say you yeah, don't go 100% on each, on each show, but have fun. But like, make sure you know that you have another oh, seven days straight before you have a day off. Yep. And then like another eight days off or eight days straight so before you have a day off. Some limits, man, especially like a 40 or 60 day tour, dude, like set yourself some hard limits. Yeah, seriously. You know, like, uh, I mean, like, it gets helpful when the crowd is singing with you because you can make some small concessions and nobody cares. Yeah. But, like, so, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, you got you to gotta take yourself, you know, keep yourself under control. Like, obviously, like, don't compromise the quality of the vocal, but, like, definitely just pace yourself. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, you have to pace yourself because even... Uh, even on Warp Tour, our vocalist did so well, Kevin. He's a fantastic vocalist, and he there would be days because he he gets pretty high, like um, and there was days where he just didn't talk at all. He knew he had to do it, but it, it worked out for him in his favor, um, because he was able to last for eleven days, well, ten days playing, eleven days on the tour. Um, but I I wish I could sing, dude. That's the one thing. Like I drum, but like it's one of those things that I would love to start singing in general. Um, it's just it's just not easy. It's just one of those things that it's just. You can pick up lot. anything. It just takes a lot of practice and, you know, dedication yep. and shit. Yep. It yeah. just takes a lot of time, like any other instrument. And I, I was saying this to uh, Dom, our producer, uh, who was also my roommate. Um, I was talking to him about uh, the fact that vocals are an interesting and unique instrument to me, especially from, like, a recording and production standpoint, because it's an instrument that as you use it, it gets worse. Like, it deteriorates over time. It's organic material. It's the same thing as playing a guitar string or, or, or using a drum head. Like, your vocal cords get damaged over time as they get used. And I think what's really fascinating is when uh, singers who kind of um, use their voices, it's sort of like, a, it's sort of like a, 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 a baseball glove. It wears in over time. And when you find that sweet spot, there's something beautiful about that. We're sort of like the mixture between the talent of the individual singing and the damage that their voices like sort of succumbed over time, merged together into this beautiful moment for, for, for that person's voice. And finding that beautiful moment in every delivery is like part of what being a vocalist is. Yeah, that's true because you start listening to um, artists who you can tell that their voice kind of just – it doesn't 
decline, but you can tell there's a little bit of rasp, where you can tell there's a little bit of just tone change. Yeah, it just deteriorates. Yeah, well, it's, like, it's drumhead. You know what I mean? You whap right. on, you whap on, and over time, eventually, it's going to get stretched out. And like, yeah, you can do things to mitigate the damage, but it's there, and just by virtue of using it, like you're using it the way it's supposed to be used, but it is certainly getting damaged over time, especially when you're talking about rock vocals, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, has your producer always been on uh, working with your albums? Uh, does he act like another member? Some bands usually do that. Others, you know, just go in as a producer and like do tweak little things. But So, no, we, uh, we were recording for a while with Gary Choffee, who did the Transit Records up in, up in Massachusetts. Um, and uh, when we built our studio, um, we built it, and then we went on, on a tour with uh, All Get Out. Um, and All Get Out had Dom Nastasi, who at the time was working at uh, Voodoo um, down in Long Island, uh, and he had recorded the All Get Out record, and we heard the All Get Out record, and it was really good, and he was out on tour playing drums with them. Um, and uh, we, we ended up kind of clicking with him, uh, and he ended up sort of like being like, hey, I want to help you guys with your record. Uh, come on down, we'll do some drums down on Long Island, and then I'll come up to your studio, we'll do all the guitars, vocals, etc. Um, and we ended up doing that project, and shortly thereafter, uh, Dom ended up moving up here to uh, work full-time at the studio and, and with a bunch of clients there. Uh, and help us improve the place, and it was it was uh, just a blast. Uh, That's cool. And yeah, the entire experience of recording the record was wild. Um, but so yeah, he he lives here in Naugatuck now, uh, and we work with him on projects uh, for a whole bunch of bands like every day, uh, as well as with on our own stuff. And it's 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 really great. It's a very it's a, it's a wonderful collaborative relationship. He also comes out and does our live sound. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, that's that's even like more dedication. Which is fantastic, man. Like, it's the the best. Uh, Having having somebody, not only having a consistent sound guy, but having a consistent sound guy that you trust. There's nothing better than that, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, We're very grateful to have him. He's he's, he's a fucking champ, man. (laughs) So he'll work with you guys on the next album, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is currently working on us, or working with us on the new stuff, yeah. So does he, what is what are usually his ideas, if anything, like structure-wise or tones? I mean, it really depends. Like, uh, a lot of times, so again, like, he's he's literally my roommate. So what will happen is, like, I'll be, I'll be noodling on something, and he'll be like, hey, what are you working on? You know, and then we'll, like, talk about it, and just, like, kick some ideas around, and, you know. It's, it's always just like this fun collaborative yeah. process. Sometimes we'll be down at the studio and I'm just like, hey, do you want to hop on the drums real quick and like help me out with this? And he's like, yeah. That's you awesome. know? You're singing so in the shower. Oh, write this down real quick, motherfucker. But what's, what's wonderful about that is that like now going into uh, the pre-production phase, which is what, pre-production phase, which is what we're going to be doing very soon, uh, he is super, super well informed on what we're going to be recording and, and really has like, just his hands in the guts of the whole thing, you know what I mean? Um, so we're excited about that, and uh, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to get a really cool, a really cool set of songs. Is this going to be a full length or an EP? Uh, both. Uh, we're working on, we're working on, on both. No um, way, okay, cool. Yeah, so so the, we have something we got to finish right now uh, in terms of a, a set of releases. Um, 
that we're gonna we're gonna wrap up um, with a shorter number of songs similar to Soup, uh, and then we'll have something longer coming in, in in the short future. I'm really glad you guys haven't stopped really being productive with everything. Uh, it we are living in like one of the most unprecedented times in, in world history, uh, even in the U.S. with shit going on. So some people have not given up, but it's kind of hard to maintain. <sighs> sanity through everything and you guys just keep pushing which i'm very i'm thankful for you guys to do that because <laughs> some bands might be you know or artists in general might not be doing the same thing that's great that you guys keep continuing to do that yeah i mean dude the thing that we're passionate about in general like totally aside from touring totally aside from like being on stage and playing music is like we enjoy making art with other people mm-hmm. like that is like at the core of our being that's like who we are we enjoy being creative with other people, whether it's each other or working on other people's projects. Like, that's what we want to do. It's what we enjoy. And, like, throughout all of this uncertainty, throughout all of this ridiculousness, that has not stopped for us. Mm-hmm. So, like, as far as we're concerned, man, life is dandy. If we get to go back out on the road and, and play some songs for some really cool people and make some more friends and, 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 and do the whole thing, like, we're happy to do it. But, like, it is not going to be the be-all, the end-all of our existence. Right. Like, right. Yeah. I worry about that for some bands, whether they're, you know, tier one, tier three, or uh, industry professionals, managers, promoters, venues. I mean, I think the venues are going to definitely, you're going to see venues kind of disappear a little bit. Um, I wish there was something that we can do to, you know, not only revive them when this is done and over with, but to if, ha- if we have to save them in general. I don't know what yeah, the solution could be. I feel it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're cockroaches, man. Come hell or high water, we're, we're, we're still here, you know? Good. No, I'm glad. Yeah. We can't, we can't, it's, it's, it's either you try to do your best to continue what you're doing, like passion, like you said, or, you know, just kind of take a step back and maybe reevaluate how you go about with what you're doing with your art. Or, And that's the one thing that's good about uh, musicians and artists in itself or even comedians, like the creativity behind it, you can always still keep, you know, implementing that every day, even though we're doing, going through this process. Yep. However, you just, I, I just worry about the businesses. I worry about the businesses that like these mom and pop shops, like they live paycheck to paycheck for people in poverty. So I just, I'm just hoping we can really oh, get yeah. to normal, dude. It's crazy. It's absolutely oh, It's been difficult for us to, I mean, canceling tours isn't cheap. I mean, right. you know, I think, I think for all bands, it's been like a huge hit. And I think, like, the way that you kind of have to frame it right now is like, well, fuck me, come what may, man. There's not really anything else you can do. You got to kind of take it as it comes. And, like, yeah, you're right. Like, adjusting to the times, adjusting to the fact that, like, you're not going to be able to be creative in exactly the same way that you have been. And, like, I think flexibility and adaptability is what makes bands stronger. You know, adversity breeds creativity. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you're having a difficult time, like, that's when the good shit comes out. Yeah. Like if so, you're a pop punk band, you have a breakup with your girlfriend or, or boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. You get it, you make some good music. <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes you just need a little pressure. Yeah. To get the bubbles going. Yeah, kind of makes you itch and everything. Um, yeah. It just it, it it's just I hope things you know change for the better. Um, but you guys seem like you have a really great setup. Um, I mean, the suit BP sounds fantastic. Um, it seems like you know we might have some. Uh, of the same like sounds come from soup into the next album is that what we can look forward to in general as new writing comes of it or do you guys experiment a little bit 
Um, I would say that the, the, the newer stuff that we've been working on, uh, Whedon's, um, somewhere in between, like, there is some, there is some new styling coming, but, uh, there is some familiarity. We do like to keep, we like to leave, we, we call them breadcrumbs. We like to leave breadcrumbs, uh, for the audience to kind of follow from record to record, but, like, um, there's definitely, uh, a concrete effort to sort of shift in another fun direction. And I'm sure the next release that we do after that will be another fun direction. It's, uh, you know, we always kind of try and lean somewhere for the entire scope of a release. Right. Exactly. No, that's great. I mean, it just, and I, I see bands kind of, um, they, it's not that they're, repeating their process but some of their albums like sound the same over time and right. it just you know people i it's hard seeing bands transcend uh from time to time but with you guys you know it doesn't seem like that's a problem at all which is pretty well if you do it from the get-go nobody expects you to not do it correct yeah you know? like, they expect you to write the same music over and over again the same production same right uh Part, so, you know, courses here, verse here, you know, mm-hmm. same go-to around. But now, we, we all evolve and change and get into different, you know, inspirations and such, that you, especially that you guys usually take from daily, you know, uh, situations. So that's really yeah. good. Um, do you guys have, um, uh, uh, have you guys talked to any of the bands that you've been on tour with still and might possibly um, go back on the road again in the near future? Like, um, the dangerous summer because they were uh, obviously they're coming back to um, this wildlife state champs. Like you guys still keep in contact. Maybe we'll see you guys on tour with them again. Oh, I mean we do keep in contact with a lot of the guys from all those bands. Um, I would not be surprised if we end up back out on the road with them. Uh, I think uh, pretty much all the bands that we go out with, for the most part, I would I would say sparing very few exceptions. Um, we have made very close friends with, have kept in contact. And I would say that like most bands we do tour with more than once, uh, even if it takes a little bit of time, like Microwave is a good example of that. I think the, the last time that we toured with them prior to the one that just got canceled was maybe two and a half years ago. Uh, and uh, we ended up staying in contact and like kind of going back and forth on whether or not we could like hook up for a touring effort. Um, and uh it just kind of worked out at the right time. So, yeah, I mean, I would anticipate that any bands that we've been out with that we're on good terms with, like, we'll, we'll be out with. That's pretty cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I just, I look forward to it. So maybe um, if it's not microwave, it'll be, you know, either way, once you guys come through Jersey, I'll be coming up. Um, like I said, it was disappointing that I was, we were going to go uh, in general, but everything kind of got shut down. Um, immediately. Uh, thankfully, you guys didn't like jump the gun, and you know, um, you could be out in the middle of nowhere or keep going when nothing is, you know, basically open. Like perfect example of Circus Survive, they uh, almost, you know, got their buses in. They almost got their people in. Uh, and then they saw the school, the school shut down in Pennsylvania. They're like, ah, well, if the schools are shut down, I mean, we should really not pull the trigger. So they didn't, thankfully, because that would have been mm-hmm. a huge, substantial loss of income for that situation. But uh, I'm glad you guys are staying safe and everything. Um, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. This was pretty sweet. And uh, I really look forward to uh, the new album, EP, or LP that you guys are coming out with. Uh, and now that, you know, we kind of, like, collaborate with, eventually we'll do an in-person uh, podcast as well. Maybe we'll get the whole band together or something, you know. That'd be awesome. we'll, we'll probably fucking figure that out or something. But uh, I'm glad everybody's doing well. I'm glad you guys are staying safe. And um, I appreciate you coming on. This is pretty chill. 
Great show to do this. I guess, man. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. All right. I'll take care. Take it easy.